To be a disciple means we adhere to Christ, and nothing can separate us. It's almost like the statement that I've said for years. For a disciple, for a child of God, they shouldn't be able to see where we end and he begins, or he ends and we begin. That's what the word Christ-like or Christian literally means. And that is how you know that you're drawing closer to God and God is drawing closer to you is because they see more of him and less of you. How do we reach back to that? Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's V-L-C-C-A-Z dot org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. There is a picture that we have on the screen about, it's an American flag, and, and it's a statement that is such a valid and true statement is we don't know them all but we owe them all today is a day that was set apart many 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 years ago memorial day a day that we memorialize we remember all those that gave all all those that did all I was reminiscing of just the last century. God forbid we we go back beyond that. But just in the last century, it is recorded that millions have given their lives. I can give you some numbers. World War II, just World War II, almost a half a million people died. Almost a half a million people gave their lives in a great war. Some call it the war of wars. To try to bring some kind of continuance to this world. As world powers were trying to take over other world powers. To try to dominate Shortly after that, we had what was called the Korean War, where some 50,000 American soldiers died. I, and I'm, I'm just talking about American soldiers in World War II and, and the Korean War. And I, I'm not talking about, you know, uh, soldiers from other countries. In Vietnam, another 50,000, some say up to 60,000 soldiers 
gave their lives. And then we start counting the Middle East conflict that's been going on for the last 20 years or so. Godly, the last 30 years since the 1990s. And how many more thousands and thousands of our young men and women who have given their all. You know, we honor all of our veterans, all of those that are, that are alive today. We honor those that are serving today, and we are so grateful for all of you. But those that have given all, some of your comrades, some of your friends, some of your buddies, you, you fought right alongside with them, and you came home, and they didn't. And I, I know the mental anguish. I, I know the, the struggle, the difficulty. You say, well, preacher, how do you know? Have you had it happen to you? No, I have not. But I have had lots of friends that didn't make it back. Lots of family members that I've prayed with. Some year after year after year when these times of the year come along. And this is why we set apart a day like today. We never want to forget. We never want to forget. We build a memorial to the lives they sacrificed for us. And it was because of something that we're going to do right now. It's because we are privileged, and I want you to hear this, because there will be some that will take offense at the next statement I'm going to make, but that's okay. I believe we live in the greatest country in the world. And this country has given literally more than any country in the world for the sake of world peace and the strength and the ability for other countries who have been devastated and decimated to get back on their feet. And so I want to do something that some would say is not apropos for church, but that's okay. Because this country was founded, the first country in the world founded on God's Word. Now, don't get me wrong, I know Israel was founded on God's covenant. And that covenant was part and parcel of the founding of this country. But more so, this, found, this country was founded on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The first Christian country to be established. And because of that Christian country, there was a pledge to the success and the succeeding of this great country called the United States of America. And, and you know, in today's society, all the events that are going on People politicize it. People try to undermine it. They try to, do, they try to do all the different things they can do to bring it down. But can I tell you what the entire world knows? As goes America, so goes the world. And this great country is the last bastion of freedom and hope. And because some gave all, we have that freedom and we have that hope. So I wonder if you are wherever you are, if you would stand to your feet as I lead you in the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. And if you would put your hand over your heart, take your hat off, 
in reverence, listen, unto the God that established this country. This is what it's about, folks. Oh, yeah, we are pledging an allegiance to our country, to this flag. But as a child of God, you know it's beyond the flag that it's all the allegiance is pled. So, if you would, just for a moment. I pledge allegiance, say it with me, everyone. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Amen. I think the irony of it, it wasn't until 1950s, and I don't remember the exact date, that that phrase, under God, was added to the pledge. The amazing thing about it is America came to realize, even though it's in the Declaration of Independence, even though it's in the Constitution, even though it's in virtually every piece of paper that represents this country, even though it's written on the annals of all the, uh, and the columns and the, and the post of, of every uh, governmental structure, that God is our covering. God is our hope. God is our strength. I remember Ronald Reagan, one of the great presidents, says that if we don't have God, we don't have a nation. If we ever become a nation not under God, we will be a nation gone under because God is the one that holds this together. Today's message I want to take you into because I believe it's apropos for this, this uh, day, this hour, this time. If you are on Facebook, you can go right there. There's a link there that you can click and you can download the message notes. Uh, we try very hard to give the message notes to everybody that wants them. So you can download that. You can click on it and you can download it right there on your computer. But I want to talk about, last week we started a, a brand new series on growing closer to God. How do we do this? And, and today I, I want to take you into the, the next uh, part of that series and help us understand from the very beginning, God wants to draw close to us. God wants to be close to us. Ha have you ever sat back and wondered why and think about this. Got to look at this from, from my mindset. I'm, I'm, too, I'm too shallow to be deep, folks. Did you ever stop and wonder why God, who needs no one, would want someone, namely you, namely me? The God of, of all creation, who needs no one, 2,000 years ago died for someone and that someone was you and I. That someone is encapsulated in probably one of the greatest passages in all of Scripture, though I'm kind of partial to every passage in Scripture. But this one here is the one that you see literally around the world on all kinds of international events and all kinds of secular events and all kinds of sporting events. And it is that famous passage in John chapter 3, verse 16, 
where it says, for God so loved the world. The world. Not this hunk of dirt that we rotate on, but literally mankind. The human race that he created. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, there it is again. The world, mankind, and then whosoever. He personalizes it. He, he corporately says the entire world I love, but that he makes it very personal, that whosoever. You know who that is? That's the person standing in your shoes right now. Or maybe I should say in your robe right now, in your PJs right now, whatever you happen to be watching church from. Do not text me. Do not. I don't want to have that image, okay? But whatever you are standing in, I got, I got bunny slippers pictured in my head right now. I'm just thinking. Whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. So much so does he want to have a personal relationship with you. He not only made a way for that relationship to happen, he then made the way for it to be sealed for eternity. And Jesus said that when he declared another place in the book of John 14, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And then he personalized it again. No one. A God that needed no one chose to give his all for someone. Look at the book of Psalms, chapter 8. One of my favorite passages, and, and we see this, and I got it on the screen. As I was, when I was a kid, I did this. I laid out in the back of the bed of, the, of an old pickup truck, or I would lay under the stars on a, on, a, on a sleeping bag or just a blanket on a hillside in the field. And I'd just look up at the stars and I'd just think, my goodness. And I wasn't even a Christian then. But I looked up into the stars and I thought, man, there's got to be something more to life than living and dying. I, I look at all this creation and I look. And you know what the Bible says in the book of Romans? All creation proclaims his glory. Could you imagine looking up at the stars? Look at this. I consider the heavens, the work of your hands, your fingers, the moon, the stars, all that you have ordained. And then there was my question. I didn't know all those years ago that the question was there, but there was the question, what is man that you should even consider him? And then it talks about the Lord, that you should visit him. When he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? All of those to fulfill Scripture. On Wednesday night, our notes talk about, our, our announcements talk about our Wednesday night uh, Bible class. And it's incredible. Right now we are going through the 23rd Psalm. And, and uh, we are going into it through a, a depth that many don't go into. Simply because the 23rd Psalm wouldn't even be there except for the 22nd and 24th psalm and it is just incredible how god took the whole picture of creation and calvary and wrapped it together and when jesus hung at calvary he was fulfilling 
those psalms. He was fulfilling Psalm 8. He was fulfilling all of the psalms and hundreds of other prophecies. Those are the things that I think about when I think, God, you love me. And you know what that does? It kind of puts a little skip in my step. He loves me. He loves me so much he made all of this for his glory, but for me to enjoy. So let me, let me take you into this today because I want to I talk to you a few minutes about a, a young man by the name of David. David. David, a shepherd boy. A shepherd boy who God had so much more planned for and so much more purpose for. And so I asked the very first question, how do you feel close to God? How close do you feel to God? And I, I wanted to start tonight, or this morning, rather, uh, by thinking about David. What was it like on that hillside? Maybe he was there, he had his hands wrapped behind his head, and, and he was looking up at the stars, or maybe it was on the terrace of his palace in Jerusalem when he began to think about his heavenly father. Now, understand, David's relationship with God was literally unlike any of his predecessors and biblically unlike any of his successors. Oh, the Bible called Abraham a friend of God. That, that was interesting, you know, and the cool thing about it, it was God that called Abraham a friend. The Bible calls Moses the meekest man that ever lived. Not meekness as weakness, but meekness as maturity and, and wisdom and guidance and direction, knowing who he called on. But the title that God gave David was a man after his own heart. Now, I don't know what that makes you think of, but this makes me think of a guy that should have maybe walked perfectly yet we know that david did more wrong on purpose than he did on mistake how's that happen and god calls him man didn't call him the bible didn't call him god called him a man after his own heart i i think we find that true because we find that passage that david recorded so well in in psalm chapter 37 where it says delight yourself in god and he'll become and, and he'll give you the desires of your heart one day if you've been part of victorious life for any amount of time or maybe you're watching for the first time and you've not heard me make this statement. One day I was reading this passage in Psalm 37, and that scripture just jumped out at me because I've heard it, taught, heard it said that, that if you will delight yourself in God, God will give you anything you want. But that's not what he's saying. Literally, God began to unveil this passage to me and said, when I become your delight, my heart will become your desire. And this is why David was called a man after God's own heart. He knew in all that he went through that God was drawing him closer. 
God was building a man in David. He's watching over the sheep of his field, literally representing the sheep of God's kingdom, even ruling a kingdom in Israel now. Years after he left the shepherd's field, he is still a shepherd carrying shepherd's responsibility, knowing where his help and his hope came from. He had a shepherd's heart in the unity with his father's heart, which ultimately brought forth an eternal purpose. I want to this morning sing a song for you and and this is for all of our military folks that God took boys and girls and made men and women but he made much more he made victorious conquerors out of and that's what God did with David On a valley, in a valley, between a hillside. And God wants to do in your life today. God wants to help you in your life today. God wants to strengthen you in your life today. Because God wants you to know this is how you draw closer to God. And how God fulfills himself drawing closer to you. Would you listen to the words? In a hidden valley Just over the hill A young shepherd boy Surrenders his will As he lifts his voice In praise to his king Only the lambs will hear as he sang It was a hidden valley Where a faithful one leads There's no one that's looking on Yet he cares for their needs For he knows the one that tries the heart so he is steadfast and content to do his part hidden valleys produce a life song heart strong it's desperation that'll cause you to sing in a hidden valley God turns shepherds into kings you know I said this is about our military sons and daughters who's given their lives Oh, I can picture you right now laying in a valley, laying in a foxhole, laying in a place where people are not too happy that you're there. 
And I can imagine there's many times that you looked up at those stars and you knew you weren't alone, though at times you felt very alone. And many of you might have left the comfort and the security of the United States to go to these places and you went without God. But I have heard stories of thousands of our military men and women on the battlefield finding God because they knew alone is not where they wanted to be. And mom and dad, you may not know it, but that son, that daughter, probably found Christ on that battlefield. And there was no one watching, no one listening as he or she lifted her voice. But God was watching. God was listening. And today, of all days, I think it could be the day that you realize that if you know Jesus yourself, one day you'll be able to see that boy or that girl again. Because they're waiting in God's arms. They're waiting in God's promise. Because in a valley, God took a shepherd and he took him home to be with the king can you say amen it's a hidden valley a leader was born he has faced the fierce and he's weathered the storm so with a humble heart and a love for his God, he became royalty with just a staff and rod. It's a hidden valley that produced a life song in a hidden valley. It'll make a heart strong It's desperation That'll cause you to sing Cause in hidden valleys God turns shepherds to kings It's in a hidden valley As for shepherds become part of God's kingdom. As we grow closer to him, as we learn what it means to be that whosoever that he loved enough to die for, <coughs> I pray that song help someone and encourage someone because I know you're safe in the arms of someone whose name is Jesus. Let me go back to our notes and ask you a question. What do you think of when you think of God? Right here, right now. Is he unapproachable? Is he unreachable? Do you think of him as loving or demanding? Do you think of him as sensitive or insensitive to your life and where you are right now? Well, we already know the answer. 
is that he is loving and that he is approachable and that he is reachable and that he is caring. But sometimes when we have those moments of struggle and the difficulties, the enemy would try to do what we're learning in our, in our men's study. Uh, 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 strong men in tough times. He is trying very desperately, the enemy, to put a wedge between the father and the son, the father and the daughter. He uses these times, the enemy does, to manipulate our lives and, and our, our, our confidences and our securities. And this is what the enemy would strive to do. Why? Because he is trying to force down the throat of Christians a secular worldview that many times will offset the Christian worldview that God wants us to have. Why? We live in a dysfunctional world. And it's hard to see God's goodness and the loving kindness of a heavenly Father that He wants to be and that He ultimately is when our relationships are stressed and our desires are squashed. I don't know about you, but these last few weeks have been very pressing on my wife and I and on the church body. I, I, am, I am watching the different uh, posts that people put on Facebook. And man, it's, a, it's just a gamut of things in the emails that I get. It, it is just amazing the struggle, the, 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 the difficult strains, the physical, mental, emotional schedules and pressures that society is putting on one precious commodity, you. The one thing in all of creation God wants to spend eternity with, you. All of creation, not because of God, but because of the fall, is trying to put pressure on you. Can any of you say amen out there? You know what you're dealing with. You know what I'm dealing with. We're all in this same boat. But can I tell you something? Jesus promised, just like he did the disciples 2,000 years ago, he said, get in the boat and go to the other side. He didn't talk about it being a rough ride, but it was. And you know what? Just as soon as you cry out, Jesus will get in the boat and you will be safe and secure in his arms one more time. Everything is trying to distract you and I from our first and most important love. I took you into Revelation chapter uh, 3 last week. Well, in this series, I want to take you into Revelation chapter 2 this week and to help you to understand how the enemy works and the struggle. Look what it says here, Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. says, And to the angel of the church of Ephesus. I'm always interested that he didn't say the churches of Ephesus. He said to the church of Ephesus. When God looks at Flagstaff, he doesn't look at the churches of Flagstaff. He looks at the church of Flagstaff. We're the ones that have segregated and separated. God looks at the church and says, what are we doing for him? What, what's it about, the here and now or the then and there? It's about the then and there, but it's exemplified through the here and now. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot stand that which is evil and those who are evil. 
You've tested those who said they're apostles and found them to be liars. And you've persevered and had patience and have labored for my name's sake. Let, let me stop right there. You see, in building a relationship with God and Him having a relationship with us, first and foremost, we have to understand it's about Him and not us. And when we make it about Him, He makes it about us. It's for His name's sake. And then this next line says, and you've not become weary. You've not become weary. Galatians chapter 6 says, be not weary in doing what is right in due season. Boy, I have had more arguments with God. Say, God, what the heck does due season mean? Does it mean a day, a month, a year, a decade, my entire life? What does due season mean? Oh, I have studied it, and I have I've went through with a fine-tooth comb. And you know what I found out that it means? In due season. When God's done, it's, that's, it's done. He said, you will reap in due season if you don't quit. You see, there are no losers in God's kingdom. There are only quitters. And we have not grown weary. Oh, yes, weary as some it becomes. But weary we are not. Because God gives us strength. Nevertheless, look what he says here. And I want you to underline this in your notes. I've got something against you. God tells all these great things to the church at Ephesus. He said, yet i got a problem. And look what he said. You left your first love. You didn't lose it. Somebody didn't steal it. You left it. What is he talking about? Literally. David in that, in that shepherd's valley, he could have left his love for God any place. When that bear showed up, when that lion showed up, when those different obstacles showed up, he said, God, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm done. But it didn't. He knew that God would never bring him to something that he wouldn't take him through something. That God would always finish what he started. He said, the issue that I have in the church at Ephesus, and might I add your life and mine, is that we allow ourselves to be distracted from what we used to be attracted to. We've allowed ourselves to be distracted from what we used to be attracted to. You see, God as David did, built a relationship of familiarity, intimacy, closeness. And it was marked by warmth and tender association. So, so let me take you out of the ethereal, the picture that some of us have a hard time in wrapping around, and let's put it to the natural right here. Think about the closest relationship you have. What is that relationship? Who is that relationship? It is the one you can bear your soul with without fear of being judged or rejected. It's those, I love to put it this way, it's those who know you best and still like you. Okay, some of you will get that when the service is over. 
What did he just say? Yeah, that's what I said. There's some of us that got unlikable stuff about us. I'm just talking about me. I'm not talking about you. Are you okay? But there's people that like you in spite of you. Okay, just wave at me. I'm your, I'm your friend. I'm Pastor Tim. That's okay. I can feel sometimes the stares coming right back at me. Hensley, are you shouting out there? Come on, get louder, son. You know, this is God's desire. This is God's desire because God knows that part of you that ain't so good. And he said, I still love you. You know what I love about God? Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, even while I was still a sinner, Christ died. The God who needed nothing, needed no one, chose someone like me to die for. So let me get a little into your stuff. How long has it been, or maybe, have you ever really been open and honest and real with God. I'm always amazed at people that try to hide things. You can hide it from me, from your wife, your husband, your family. Sadly, it's only for a short amount of time. It always gets exposed. You know why? Because the Bible says your sin will find you out. I'm always amazed at people that try to hide things and they think they're getting away with it from God. I remember a little girl was having a conversation with her mama one day, and her mama was trying to teach her about honesty and about uh, integrity and credibility and stuff, and, and her mama uh, was talking to her and said, Honey, you know God sees you everywhere. When you're sleeping, God's watching over you. God sees you when you're praying. When you're eating and you bow your head, God sees you and God's with you and God is drawing close to you. And then all of a sudden, this little girl got this terrified look on her face and said, Mommy, does he see me in the bathroom? Yes, he sees you, even in those places you don't want him to see you. He knows you better than you know yourself and he still loves you. You see, this is the kind of relationship that God wants. But this kind of relationship is a relationship that the world says can't be had any longer. Why? Because this relationship takes commitment. It takes dedication. It takes time to build and to mature and to nurture. This is what happens when you're getting close to someone, namely God. Last week we talked about how do I do this? And we talked about prayer. And people said, well, but prayer is kind of, I mean, come on, that's not how you get closer. Sure. But you got to pray like you usually don't pray. You got to pray honestly. You just got to take it all off and say, God, here it is. That stuff in the closet, it's yours. That stuff that I buried under the carpet, it's yours. I remember Jesus showing up to a pastor one time, 
And, and it, this was told as a true story and it, a factual story that actually happened. It didn't happen to me, but, you know, I don't know what would happen if I did. But, but the pastor was in his study, and Jesus walked in. And Jesus was holding a ring of keys in his hand, and he had one key separated. Well, as he walked into the pastor's study, the pastor immediately knew what was going on. Why? Because the pastor, listen to me, just like you and me, we don't get completely honest with God as we should. We don't get transparent and clean. The God who already knows everything, we think we're hiding something. But Jesus came walking in with that ring of keys, and he looked at the pastor and he said, what about this room? And the pastor said, Jesus, my whole life is yours. I've given you my whole life, everything. I'm serving you. I'm living for you. I'm shepherding your people. I'm doing everything. Jesus said, what about this room? And the pastor said, Jesus, I, I just can't. And Jesus laid the keys on the desk and turned around. And the pastor said, God, forgive me. And Jesus said these words. He said, I'm either Lord of all or not Lord at all. Please hear that today. God wants to be close to us. But we have been groomed by the world that you can't be transparent. You can't be forthright. You can't be open and honest. If I've ever been accused of things in my life. I have had, I cannot tell you how many pastors that have told me, preacher, you're too transparent. You gotta have that mystery of you or the people will lose respect for you. Well, if the mystery costs respect, praise the Lord. I can't be transparent with him if I can't be transparent with you. See, I learned a long time ago, if I wanna be a good shepherd, I gotta be a good sheep. And that good sheep had to trust that shepherd completely. Can somebody say amen this morning? You see, being close to God is going to take mountaintops and valleys. It's going to take mountains of hope and valleys of despair. It is always about giving and receiving. Wanting only to receive is not fellowship. And that's what happens in the church world please listen to me. We are on this time of isolation away from the church, but there are people that are, that are biting at the bit. They are shaking the trees and raking the leaves saying, I want to get back in that building. Do you know just a few months ago how many couldn't wait to get away from the building? How many people many times that say, well, I got something else happening this day and I, don't, I can't come to church or I won't come to church? And now they're biting at the bit to get back into the church. I wonder for how long. I was there when 9-11 happened. I was pastoring when 9-11 happened. I was pastoring when the 1989 earthquake happened. I was pastoring through these. And you know what happened? For a few weeks, oh, maybe a few months the churches were packed, but you know what happened? Very soon, distractions started stealing the attraction, but they didn't steal it. We got up and left it. 
Am I making sense this morning? Drawing close to God as he desires is the same way as drawing close to your spouse, drawing close to your children, drawing close to your mom and dad. Intimacy takes time to build. But I want you to make another statement, and I left it on your notes, and even more time to maintain. Not because God is changing, but because we're changing. Every day there's something else drawing for our attention. Every day there's someone else trying to step in the way that we lose the way. Let let me make a statement here. Superficiality, I believe, is the curse of our age. Where people, you're one thing to them, but something to somebody else. One of the, the most horrible things that I think I could ever imagine hearing is going home and having my wife say, what you are to them, you aren't to me. Thank God that hasn't happened. I want to put yet in there because I hopefully never will, but I am human and I, I mess up. But my children, they say, Dad, what you are up there, you are at home. My wife, what you are up there, you are at home. But you know how many people come to church with a mask on Sunday and that mask comes off on Monday? They always want to make sure they, they look top-notch when they're going into something. But when they're in the shadows, there's something different. See, God knows that. And God wants to help us to overcome that and build through that and get beyond that. It is our responsibility to have that closeness that God wants. It's our responsibility. Remember back in in Revelation chapter 2? He said, you did all these things right, but I got something against you. You left that relationship that you and I used to have. I'm asked, Pastor, how do I leave it? I just replace it with something else. Something else gets in the way. It happens in marriages all the time. Sports gets in the way. Fishing gets in the way. The man cave gets in the way. Fill in the blank. Is some of that missing with you and her, you and him? What's in the way? That first love that made you say, I do at the altar, and now when she asks, makes you say, I don't, because it alters what you want. James chapter 4, 7 through 10, I'm reading out of the message, Eugene Eugene Peterson's translation. James chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. So let God work his will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him scamper. 
Say a quiet yes to God. And you know what? He'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out to God. The fun and games are over. Get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before the master because it's the only way you'll be able to get back on your feet. Jude chapter 1 verse 21 said, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. The second thing that I want to ask you this morning, after I ask how close do you feel to God, let me ask you the second question. Can you fall out of love with God? Can you? Now, there's some religions that say you can't. Once you're there, it's done. It's over. It doesn't make a difference what you do. Everything's going to be good. The problem is that's not what this Bible teaches. So can you fall out of love with God? Well, very simply, folks, listen to me. Christ can become obscured in everyday life to the point of even forgetting why he lived and died. Even in our church life, we forget why we came to church. Now, because we're told we can't go to church, well, bless God, nobody can tell me I can't. So what is the real drive to bring you back? Is it because you want to or you're told not to? You see what I, I think is happening? And, and I, I listen to different prophets and I listen to different words and, and stuff that are happening. And some of them are saying that God allowed this virus because, folks, it wouldn't have happened if God hadn't allowed it. No, the devil's not that powerful. Because the Bible tells us in the last days everything that can be shaken will be shaken now i see scripturally that's talking about three or four different occasions in the last days well the bible tells me in thessalonians talks about a great falling away talking about a great apostasy now listen to me you can't fall away from something you were not once attached to back to revelation chapter 2 i have something against you you left the relationship you used to have with me that fancy phraseology literally means apostasy you have forsaken your first love a great falling away has to happen and some of the prophets that i've heard and they come in unison saying god is shaking up the church why over in peter the bible says judgment starts in god's house Maybe God is shaking the trees and he's raking up the leaves. And who are the leaves? The ones that are wanting to get closer to him. Man, that was good preaching. Many Christians keep God too distant. Many Christians fall out of love with God. No, God doesn't remove them. But when they have moved, who do you think changed? 
quickly as we wrap up this morning. How do we gain, or for some, regain that closeness with God? Well, first and foremost, we have to realize He is our Heavenly Father. He wants nothing more than to be close to us. Nothing more than to be close to us. And He will do all He can to get as close to us as He possibly can. For us, in us, through us, the key to that relationship though is the same with any other relationship. Discipline and commitment. I know that in today's hour when we hear the word disciple, we think of work. That's why you don't find the word disciple used a lot in church anymore. You don't find that, that term. We now are called followers of Christ. We are now called seekers of Christ. The problem is, is I don't find seeker. I find follower, but I also find where many times followers stop following. But a disciple, the word disciples come, a disciple comes from the Greek word that we get the same word we use for glue, epoxy. It is the word that we use for that called adherent to be a disciple means we adhere to christ and nothing can separate us it's almost like the statement that i've said for years for a disciple for a child of god they shouldn't be able to see where we end and he begins or he ends and we begin that's what the word christ-like or christian literally means and that is how you know that you're drawing closer to God and God is drawing closer to you is because they see more of Him and less of you. How do we reach back to that? We learn to become a disciple. Second Timothy. Once again, I go back to our, our, our men's meeting. Uh, gentlemen, if you're having a struggle being a man in your home, standing up and actually leading the home, ladies, don't take offense to this, but your husband's supposed to be the lead of the home, not you. Your husband is the one that's supposed to be leading you, and you're supposed to be following him. And you might say, well, what happens if I want to do something? Well, talk about it. Talk about it. He'll, he'll sit down with you and talk about it. It's not, you know, leading you does not mean putting you under his thumb. But ladies, listen to me. You have to let him be the head of the house. You have to let him. Let him. Why do I say it like that? Because the world has made the woman the head, which is completely contrary to God's word, which is why, sir, you have the struggles you're having. Listen to me. We have an incredible program that we are doing. It's called Maximize Manhood. Gentlemen, listen to me. You can call the, the church number. You can text us. You can go on Facebook. Uh, you can go on YouTube. You can go uh, through email. And you can get a hold of Dan Hute, who leads our men's ministry. And he can get you hooked up into one of our Zoom meetings. 
We have them happening, and, and we've got lots of men that are joining that are becoming the men God called them to be. And you know what the wives are liking? Much. Them becoming what they're supposed to be. Oh, won't be easy. Because they, they've had the charge for so long. And they're so concerned that you will be inept. Well, come to these classes. We'll help you to become the man that God called you to be. But it's going to take discipline. Discipline. The Greek word, as I've already talked about, discipline means to adhere to. It's the truest sense of training. Do you know the only ones that don't fail out in the military are the ones that have trained for the military. The ones that have accomplished the task that was set before them. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, and then I'll give you four keys to David's growing in his life with Christ and the relationship that he had becoming a man after God's own heart. Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4, look what it says here. Discipline yourself. Discipline yourself. Say that with me. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. I have something against you, Jesus told to the church at Ephesus. You have left your first love. You didn't lose it. Somebody didn't steal it. You left it. And what happens is when you don't discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, something very quickly will start taking its place. For bodily discipline is only of a little profit. That's a whole other sermon right there. Uh, and I'll leave that alone. But look what it says. Godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and the life to come. You see, from the perspective of God's Word, being close to God is literally our responsibility to obtain and to maintain. He's only a whisper away. Why? Because when you have obtained and maintained that relationship, the shepherd is always watching. His rod and his staff are there for comfort, direction, and correction, and he'll be there in just a moment of time. I want to give you four points as the worship team comes. These four areas are areas that we must discipline in our lives and in ourselves if we want to have the relationship that David had. The first thing is we got to build a life of simplicity. Simplicity. David had a simple life. Our lives must be reordered to the place that God becomes the focus of all we do and all we are. As I shared last week, God will not speed up to catch up with our pace of living. God expects us 
to slow down to meet him. That's why the word of God uses contentment many times. Be content in what you have. Jesus said, I'm not going anyplace. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So the world is, is calling for all these different aspects. God says you need to simplify your life. Make it about me, about God, and that relationship. Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 6, he said, if you'll seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, all the rest of that stuff I'll take care of. How cool is that? The one that needs no one said, I'll take care of someone if you'll just give me all that you have. The second thing that David learned and David understood was he built a life of silence. Now I want you to hear this. Last week we talked about how do I get close to God? And this week we're talking about how God wants to get close to us. Why am I saying silence? When's the last time that you went to prayer? Said your piece and then shut up. And just listen. I, I don't know about you. I'm guilty of it. I have went to prayer and spent an hour, two hours in prayer. And you know what? God couldn't get a word in edgewise. Because I was telling God all the problems. All the possibilities, all the problems. I was reminding, well, as the Bible says, remind God. Yep, remind him. And then shut up. And let him remind you of what he wants to do. Simplicity. You've got to realize and remember it's about him. When you make it about him, he makes it about you. And then you've got to develop silence an attitude of patience before God and mankind and that's tough over the screamy and noisy crowd of society in the world to hear that still small voice but if you want God to draw closer to you you got to make it about him Am I making sense out there? The third thing is solitude. You see, David's life was about him and his father. That's why I, I think as I read the life of David and I read what he dealt with and went through and, and the, the issues of his life, I think that is why he was able to overcome so readily. It's because he steadily walked hand in hand. Purposing time alone with God is so critical, especially when everything is pulling for your time. Simplicity, silence, solitude, and I got one more. Surrender. There are times when I get frustrated. Remember I talked to you about being a transparent 
Shepherd, <laughs> there are times I get frustrated. And I wish I could say that nobody ever knew it. Nah, I don't do good at that part. Because I guess I just put it out there and I just, hey, here it is. And it's good and bad. It's, it's lifted me up and it's bit me in the, you know what? But over all these years, as I've learned to surrender my life to God, I've learned that He is Lord. He is ultimately the supreme authority of my life. And He is completely adequate to handle my inadequacies. When I begin to adapt this lifestyle in my life, you know what happens? I find God getting closer to me. But the truth is, it's not really that he get closer to me. I've got the distractions out of the way only to see him where he's always been, right there with me. And that's where he wants to be with you today. I don't know where you are. I don't know where you've been. Like I said, this is, a, this is a tough weekend for some. But I can tell you right there in that field where your son or daughter lost their lives, by God's grace, because I know there are great chaplains and Christians in the field. They may have lost their life long before they did on that battlefield. They lost it to Jesus. And ultimately, on that last day, they gained eternal life. Today, God wants you to walk in that life right now. He wants you to walk in eternal life with him right now. The psalmist tells us in the 139th Psalm, he knows us better than we know ourselves. It also says our days are numbered. All of us have a time clock. And you know what? It's not going to end any earlier or any later than God has already set. In Luke 12, he knows the number of hairs on your head. And for some, the number that are not there anymore. He knows. He knows you so well that he wants you to begin to know the one that you can know him better. I want to pray with you this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for being with everyone that is listening today. And if they don't know you, today reveal yourself in a personal way that they can come to know you as Savior and Lord that they can give your heart, their hearts wholly to you and to walk with you Father we thank you for it in Jesus name God for our military families God one of the great families that we have in our military 
heritage is the Navajo Code Talkers, the Navajo Nation. One of my favorite military cemeteries to go through is the one up by Fort Defiance. Man, the flag is flown proudly. Hundreds and hundreds of flags over the lives, the graves of military men and women who gave their all that we could have all to give. Thank you, Lord. God, during this time, and I don't hinder praying this prayer as we close. God, the Navajo Nation is getting assaulted through this virus. God, they need your hand of protection. As does our city here in Flagstaff and our county, our families. So many are effective. God, in the name of Jesus, we need you to affect the infected and to change it, to turn it around. Father, we thank you today. And we give glory and honor to you in Jesus' name. Happy Memorial Day. Happy Growing Closer to Christ Day. Watch God do what he promised that he would do. And that is to be everything for you. Until we see you again this week in our mornings with Pastor Tim or Wednesday night in our Bible class uh, or the women's ministries on Tuesday, our men's ministries on Monday and, and Saturday, join us and watch God be there to meet you. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 630. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue, across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harden. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.